Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message titled Faith Training in Chaos was given by Bill Dogtrim and is the 21st in our series, The Kingdom. Thanks, guys. You can go ahead and be seated. If uh, you need a Bible this morning, we have a few on the sides. We've been giving out quite a few, so we're, we're running uh, a little short. But if anybody needs one, uh, we want you to have it. And uh, just raise your hand if you don't mind. We've got a couple of guys looking, looking to help us out here. Okay, Bill needs one. If you can, thank you so much for taking care of that. Anybody else? At the back there, we can uh, do that. Okay, um, I'm on page um, 817, actually we're going to be 818, uh, one of, one of the, the great stories, uh, two of them, last week we were talking about Jesus' uh, wanting the disciples to learn how to partner with him in feeding the nations and feeding the multitudes. Uh, when I learned this in Sunday school, it was the story of Jesus' feeding the 5,000, which it is that. But when I study this in Mark, and hopefully last week if you were with us, you learned that Jesus wants the disciples to learn how to feed the 5,000. He knows already how to do it. The question is, do we know how to partner with him in what he's doing? So as we have transitioned, and you'll notice the title of our series is Following Jesus in Times of Chaos. The reason we are working through this gospel of Mark the way we are, just kind of verse by verse, uh, systematically over, over however many months, uh, perhaps even years that it takes us, is that we think there's no better way to spend our time on Sunday morning than just following Jesus as closely as we can. And the Gospels, are, of course, the, the, they are written to enable us to, to study Jesus, to follow him, to learn his ways, to learn how he did life so that we can learn how to do our lives. Um, and, and what we are discovering is that Jesus is not, first of all, in as big a hurry to save the world as we might be. He seems to be taking an awful lot of time with 12 or 13 people, uh, spending huge amounts, chunks of his life, trying to train them into a pattern of life that when three years later he can say, here, the work of the kingdom is now yours, they, they, whether they believe it or not, he thinks they're ready for this next step of responsibility. So in the first little bit of the gospel, he's, he's, he's walking with people, he's doing miracles, he's training his, his disciples and so on and so forth. As we move out of chapter, out of chapter 5, and into chapter 6, and increasingly as we go on to chapter 8, he's going to be training them, and through them, us, hopefully, in partnering with him in saving the world. So that's where we're at this morning. Uh, and sometimes, one of, the, one of the, I guess, the things that we hit up against is that following Jesus sometimes just sucks. Right? Is that, is that just me? Sometimes it's just hard work to keep putting one foot in front of the other, doing the right things because it's the right thing to do, whether it's in a marriage or a job situation or going to school or, or just getting out of bed in the morning. Sometimes all we can do is the next thing. Does, does that make sense? And we don't have strength for two days from now. We just have strength for like 10 minutes. Is anybody else with me on that? So... 
How in the world does he ever expect us to help him change the world? And the answer is by learning to do that that the present moment requires of us well. That's hard because we are future oriented, aren't we? We want, we want to be going somewhere and to, to realize that the best thing that we can do is to be present where we are, doing what now requires is probably the single hardest thing that we have to do. You know, I, I, I love to imagine, Jude and I have been married 34 years, I love to imagine the intimacy and closeness and depth of our marriage as we cross the 40th anniversary year. I love to imagine that. But guess what? We've got six more years. Some of them are going to be days of just showing up and being present to each other. Right? I, I love to imagine the garden like five years from now. Can you imagine that? We're coming up on our second anniversary in, 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 in October, second official anniversary in October. And I love to imagine what it would be like to have five years from now. Or, or you know, as we come in, thinking about seven years of existence as the church. Now, now, according to the billboard I saw on the way in, everything ends July 15th. And if that doesn't work, uh, October 21st is the new, new drop-off-the-edge-of-the-earth time. Right? I mean, so, so what do we got? How do we get to seven years? Well, you just do it a year at a time. And for some of us, it's just a day at a time. For some of us, it's just a week, a month, a minute at a time. I was walking with somebody yesterday, actually two somebodies yesterday, both who have suffered a catastrophic heartbreak. And, and, and the first text was, I feel crushed. How do I get through the day? And the first answer is, you don't die. That's the first, that sometimes is a, a huge accomplishment. You, you, you know what I mean? Just don't give up. Don't quit. Don't die. Just stay alive. Sometimes that's all we can do. Because tomorrow is coming, and if it isn't, it's okay. So here's where the disciples are starting to learn this, because they are thinking that Jesus comes to save them from all of their troubles. And in fact, following him, in obedience to him, they find themselves more often in trouble than they did when they were just minding their own business. Minding kingdom business will get you into more trouble than minding your own business. Yes? So here we are. John chapter, or Mark chapter 6, page 818, if, if you're using this, this version uh, of, the, of, of the Bible. And we're going to pick it up at, at, at the end of the story we were at last time. Remember, Jesus feeds the 5,000 uh, men plus women and children somewhere in the vicinity of 10 to 15,000 people fed. The disciples gather uh, 12 baskets full of, of, of what's left over. Um, and then um, verse 45, immediately Jesus makes his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after saying farewell to them, he went up to the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. He saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind 
He came to them early in the morning, walking on the sea. And here's the verse that really ticks me off. He intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. And so they cried out. They all saw him, and they were all scared to death. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they had not gained any insight. They did not understand about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. He intended to pass them by? Okay, something is going on here, right? Anybody been frustrated by Jesus lately? Thank you, thank you. I have a witness. All right, so here we are. Great miracle, right? And, 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 and Jesus, at the end of this miracle, uh, we, we, last week we had a map, so if you can imagine that. I, I, they didn't like me using my, my fist last week, so they found me a map this week. We can't find a map, so I'm back to this. All right, so we start over here at the beginning of this story. We, we sail over here where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. At the end of the day, he says, now get in the boat and keep going where we were originally going. So now we're moving over to Bethsaida, to the other side, to the Gentile side. Here is Jews, here is Gentiles. You with me? Here are good folks like us, and here are demon-possessed people who worship pigs. You, 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 you with me? So, so, and this is where he says we're going. Okay, so, so, so he feeds the 5,000, gets them in the boat, Send, sends them off. Now, what does Jesus do? He goes up, having sent the crowd away, into the mountain to pray. You with me? Now remember, 630 feet below sea level, mountains surrounding the south and east and north side of this lake. So Jesus is able, from the perspective of his mountain, to see them on the sea as they are rowing. And what is he doing? This is audience participation time. He is praying. Who, what do you think he might be praying about or for whom? I'm guessing maybe for them, because he can see them as they are hassled, literally the text says, harassed in the rowing because they have a contrary wind. The wind is blowing against. These are seasoned sailors. They are rowing as hard as they can, but the wind is harassing them. How many know what that feels like? Just harassed in the rowing. You are working as hard as you can, the wind is blowing, and it seems that it's two steps forward and three back sometimes. Right? How bad is it, you may ask? Look at this. They are straining, harassed in the rowing. Verse 48, he came, seeing that they were doing this, he came to them early in the morning. Literally, the text in behind this says, in the third, fourth, fourth watch of the night. Remember what time the fourth watch of the night is? It's between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. Reminder, when did he send them to row the two or three miles left to the other side? 
it was in the evening after having fed the 5,000 and sending the crowds away. So let's say conservatively, we are dealing with six or seven o'clock at night that he sends them into their rowboat containing 12 or 15 people and these experienced sailors have been rowing since six o'clock the previous day. And it is now between three and six o'clock in the morning. Do the math, boys and girls, and we come up with rowing, harassed by the wind, for nine hours to cover three miles. That's harassed in the rowing. They are working as hard as they can and seemingly making no progress. And what is Jesus doing this whole time? He's praying for them. To what effect? Apparently, none. Because they're not making any progress, which is what he told them they ought to be doing. Remember, how did they get here in the first place? They got here in the first place because he sent them here. Which is why you should never do what Jesus tells you to do. <laughs> no. We'll edit that out of the podcast. Okay, so, so here we are, 3 o'clock in the morning, rowing as hard as they can, making no progress. Jesus says to himself, I think, I think I will help them. I think I will come to them. And so he walks on the water. The same path, the same course that they have been rowing for these nine hours, he walks on the water. Now this is not, a, this is not because he's God, although he, he is. This is because he needs to come near to them in the middle of their chaos. And where are they? They're on the water. The wind, remember? Waves come, Right? We got all this going on, waves coming in, the guys hassling. Okay, so he's walking, and, and then, then this for he intended to pass them by. Now, what could he have been thinking? What was going through his head? We don't know for sure, but I'm guessing this. If my near presence is not enough, to strengthen them in their rowing. My actual presence will be misunderstood. Here's what I mean. Remember what Jesus is doing here. He's training them not to go to the other side, but in obedience that might not always work, that might not always get you the result that you want. Are you obedient to Jesus because it works or because he's Jesus? It really depends on what you see coming to you on the water. What did they see? So they see this figure walking on the, on, on the water, kind of dancing over. I don't, I don't think Jesus was just a stroll. I think he was playing with the waves. I think the flying fish were having a good... I think there was this kind of polka thing going on as he came across there. I think he was having a good time. Don't you? I mean, come on. If you could walk on the water, would you just kind of... No, I don't think so. I think you would be, you know, kind of maybe hop, skip, and jump with the waves, whatever it was. Anyway, he was doing this. I'm sorry. I just, I just love this story. So, so here he is. He's going through this. And, and, and what do they see 
when, now remember, what do they see when they see Jesus? Because remember, the text is clear. They all saw him. And they all filtered what they were seeing through the paradigm of their current understanding, which led to the conclusion, it's a ghost. Now, why would they think that? Remember where they were. We are on the northeast side of that little lake, which is where Baal worship settled, which is where children were sacrificed by parents, which is where the gates of hell were located, into which children would be thrown, often firstborn sons and daughters would be thrown, this bottomless um, um, a spring. That's where we are. And where are we going? We're going to the other side. There's a big warning label. Here be dragons. So they're, they're processing according to the best of their ability, according to what they know in the material world. And when they see a figure walking on the water, which they know is impossible, they come to the conclusion it must be a ghost. And now they're terrified, which is a, is a good thing to be if there is, in fact, a ghost, which there isn't such things in spite of the, the television programs that seems to discover paranormal activity every 10 minutes. Nonetheless, you, 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 you see this happening, and Jesus, oh, crap. It's me! Don't be afraid. He probably didn't say crap. I'm sorry, I shouldn't. I'm trying to limit myself to two per sermon, so I'm just kind of slowing down. He, he did, probably didn't say it, but, but can you imagine? Here he is. He's been training them for six chapters in who he is. He has, even on this very same lake, not two chapters ago, done what? Stilled the storm. You with me? Same guys. And what are they learning? Nothing. <laughs> they are just tracking along, fat, dumb, and happy. They are having a good time with Jesus. And as long as he's with them, everything's peachy. He sent them out on mission. They had a fantastic time. They came and reported, right? Fed the 5,000. Wasn't that cool, right? Got in the boat and now terrified again. And remember, the way Mark puts these two together, fear and faith are in opposition to, to one another in, in the way that he, the word that he's using here is fear. Because fear means standing in the wrong reality. That's why they're afraid. They don't see what is there. They don't see who he is. They don't know who he is. Why not? Well, the text tells us. Verse 52. They had not gained any insight. They had not gained any understanding from the incident with the loaves. They had not learned anything about Jesus from the multiplication of the loaves that we talked about last week. What had they gotten out of that amazing story of the feeding of the 5,000? What had they received from that event? 
lunch. That was it. They got their miracle, they ate their miracle, and then they wanted more miracle. It's like the boy in Oliver Twist. More, please, sir, more. They had not learned to see. They had not gained any insight. And the reason uh, I'm, I'm retranslating this a little bit is because Mark is beginning a theme that he's going to develop uh, as we go forward here, and that is who is it that really sees? And what we're going to discover in Mark is that blind people see better than seeing people see. Demons see better than disciples see. It's an amazing instruction in spiritual ophthalmology. Who sees? Who hears? Who follows? They had not learned how to see. They had not been trained in seeing by the incident with the loaves. What is Jesus doing? He's training them to be trusted. He's training them in obedience, whether it works or not. He's training them in his presence, whether he is with them or not. He is training them in his care and his love for them, whether they feel it or not. Because they are going to be going through lots of seasons of being harassed in the rowing. Remember, this very church to whom Mark is writing his gospel, the church at Rome, was undergoing persecution. They were harassed in the rowing. And what is Jesus doing when they are harassed in the rowing because they did what he told them to do? What is Jesus doing? He is praying for them. Now, is that good enough for you? Well, the answer is, depends on what you see when you see Jesus. Do you see a miracle worker who can provide lunch on the side of the road, but from whom you gain no insight into how life actually works? Or is he the savior of the world who has come down to train you to partner with him in saving the world? If he is the latter, then his prayers matter when we are harassed in the rowing, when it feels like it's just one damn thing after another when it feels like our marriages, our jobs, our, our, our going to school, our very lives are just one plodding step after another because he told us to do this. Can you do it? He's praying for you. And if that's not enough, he will give you signs of his presence along the way if you have eyes that have been trained to see them. Doesn't he do that? Sometimes it's a chance conversation with a friend. Sometimes it's a, it's a uh, with, with, with one of my sons, every time he is harassed in the rowing, he sees a shooting star. A literal shooting star. Just that, I haven't forgotten about you. 
I know where you are. I know what's happening. I know exactly what is going on in your life right now. You are not alone. I am with you whether you feel me with you or not. Are we afraid? Or are we faithful? Now fear is not, in this particular case, the way he's defining it is the opposite of faith. This doesn't mean are we cautious, are we concerned, are we, are we, are we afraid. It means are we anxious. Sometimes we need to be afraid because stuff is going sideways. We're in trouble. We're going to go through difficult things. And that's when faith translates into courage. To stay in it even though we're afraid. To keep pressing in. Why? Because we know who Jesus is and we know that he is present with us. Now, I suspect that maybe there are some of you even here this morning who are harassed in the rowing of one kind or another. Don't know what it might be. It might be financial. It might be relational. For some of you, it might simply be uh, a spiritual crisis that you're undergoing. That, that, that you, have been, you have been brought to a certain place of maturity and you have received the favor of God and amazing things have happened in, in and through you in the last, um, let me say, six months or so. And you're just, you're just, and, and, and it just all of a sudden, about two weeks ago maybe, it felt like the, the, you just fell off the edge. It's like God forgot about you. It's like, what am I, chopped liver? You know what I'm talking about? What's he doing? He's saying, okay, Time to graduate to the next level of training. Let's get back to boot camp. Let's measure you for a pair of oars. Let's train you to row just because. Now, I'm with you. It's not going to feel like I'm with you, but that's okay. We have learned, have we not, that feelings can't be trusted as accurate guides to reality unless they're well-trained by faith. We've learned that. How many feel like you're being measured for oars? Yeah. We want to pray for you today. If you're here today like that, and we can pray for you, uh, again, I just love how this community responds when we are given an opportunity to do that. Brian and... and uh, it's going to come back up, and we're going to continue to spend some time in worship, but we want to pray for you. And if you're here today, you feel like you're being measured for ours. In a moment, uh, I, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. And as people stand around you again, I'm going to ask you all, who are the community of the people of God, to stand with them and to pray for them, uh, that they would have courage to see the Jesus who is present with them, whether they feel it or not, that they would have the courage to receive the power of his prayers, whether they feel that he is present with them or not. Lord Jesus, we uh, sit with this story. It's just such a stunning example of uh, your love and care and mercy, but in ways that we aren't used to receiving it. 
So I pray that you would help us, O oh Lord, as we um, spend the next few minutes in, in worship, but also in prayer for one another, joining our voices to yours as you call out the names of our brothers and sisters before the Father. I pray, O oh God, that you would teach us how to row, teach us how to be obedient, teach us how to be trusted, even though we're harassed in the rowing. And maybe through that, in Jesus' name. I cultivate Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear other messages from the garden, or if you would like to find out more about the Garden Church, check out our website at thegardenlb.org.